Never in the history of the world have the merchants of obscenity had available to them the modern facilities for disseminating this filth. Disseminating this filth. The onslaught of the communist masters of deceit. Bingo. Slugs. Inco. Comma. Slugs. Inco. Comma. Slugs. Inco. Comma. Welcome to Pinko Kami Sluts. We were debating if this is a Christmas episode or the... As Bonnie calls it, a normal episode. <laughs> yep. A winter solstice. Episode. Episode. A Yuletide episode. A Yuletide episode. Preceding our Christmas episode. Mm-hmm. My Greek neighbors growing up used to have everything so barren and then three weeks after Christmas I'd be like they're so happy why are they so happy oh they did uh, Epiphany Christmas mm-hmm. it, Christmas is such not a big deal that it's kind of just almost like an American thing you do like mm-hmm. uh, you don't go to church for it so like, in other words this episode is actually a special where Marlo and Stephen teach Bunny the true meaning of Christmas <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's just, uh, it's funny because it's way secondary to Easter. Easter's the big deal. And uh, yeah, it's... uh, Which technically is kind of true for most Christians, but not in practice. Theologically, yes. It is more important. The the resurrection is... It's the birth and then the rebirth. Yeah, but the rebirth yeah, is but, a good one. Yeah, but the, rebirth the Christmas is, the is big like one. like Easter is the original holiday. I was born. Uh, holiday and cycle that Christianity's organized around, arguably, and Christmas is like a later right thing. Yeah, no, you know? I mean, if you go early church, what did they celebrate? Blah blah blah. And you know me, I always go early church. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wake up, get ready for day. Yeah, you and I the am. Jehovah's oh, Witnesses. yeah, I am troubled because I was listening to a podcast. It was like a woo-woo podcast. It was like talking to some out there people, which I love to partake in sometimes. Like they were discussing how a lot of people who were new age have left the new age movement and gone back to kind of a more traditional or evangelical Christianity. And he offhand mentioned that turning to Greek Orthodoxy was like popular. And I was like, I didn't know this was a thing. It's also popular among the alt right. I did know the one guy. I, well, I guess I've got a complicated relationship with the Greek Orthodox Church myself. Um, oh, do you ever? So, uh, I guess. But he was also making the argument, which is also the argument I make often about Greek Orthodoxy, that it's more of a 
relies a lot more on mysticism and a lot of the traditions come from fucking weird Gnostic cults where they were just like, okay, 12 of us are going to starve ourselves on the edge of town and we're going to ask God to tell us like something very specific about... (laughs) Which which also comes a lot from just the Catholics taking up Aquinas and like... No, I mean, this is... uh, not just like there's all kinds of weird Gnostic cults that are like right. It, I'm just saying the generally more mystical versus Catholics being more on that sort of rationalist basis versus a direct experiential basis of the Orthodox Church is a difference that is generally noted, and part of that comes from the Catholics gaining a lot of intellectual theology from Aquinas and other like explicitly rationalist Aristotle people. Yeah. I mean, there's a cultural difference and how yeah. it works on the ground that I think just Oh yeah. You know, manifests in the in it uh the imminence of magic. So the imminence of the Well and then uh <laughs> Sometimes for fun, I go on uh, the JSTOR, the academic journal, mm-hmm, whatever, mm-hmm, and I yeah. uh, see if there's any new, very specific research papers or <laughs> on Greek folk magic traditions. Nice. <laughs> I read a few. But what's often the case is that the people themselves wouldn't necessarily say, like, oh, it's magic. Well, I, mean, my, I just go my... to this guy and he does a thing so that my daughter will have my grandkids soon. You know, or like... Yeah, uh, Grandma Pasolano did, like, evil eye science. That was a thing in my family. Okay, but... Evil eye science? Can you explain? Well, like, protecting from the evil eye, um, like... Fear of the evil eye, folk, you know, related folk magic centered around the concept of the evil eye. Can you explain to me, is the Epiphany Christmas just a different calendar or is it more to it? Than oh, the it's epiphany. Oh. epiphany would be the thing that you'd celebrate because that is the validation that mm. uh, this baby is indeed... The King of Kings, baby. <laughs> Christmas, baby king. Christmas baby is not king, a one-day holiday. That's true of all the Christians. Just most Christians ignore that fact. Christmas is a holiday that lasts from the day of Christ's birth, the Nativity, to the day that the three wise men came and mm. Christ was first seen by the wider world. Which is the epiphany. Well, yes. And of course, uh, that they bring gifts. And of course, that is they that gift giving. They bring gifts. They we can send them. And then they bring just gifts. Little tiny. Uh, they bring, um, most importantly, frankincense and myrrh. Well, I, GIFs. GIFs. Yes, yes. We, I got the joke. I ignored it. <laughs> <laughs> While this probably comes out on Christmas, we are in the middle of Hanukkah. Right? Yeah, yeah. And the... Goddamn Nazis in this neighborhood uh, did not have Hanukkah candles, and I ran out. So, unfortunately, the miracle of Hanukkah is not happening tonight. The lights are dark. Well, all I got to say is I've been noticing a lot more RVs on the road with um, 
like pretty bumping music. I gotta say, yeah, I'm gonna just go into Williamsburg and get one of the Lobovitchers to give me some candles. I'm saying that like when I'm driving around Brooklyn, like down the Eastern Parkway through yeah. Crown Heights, they are just bumping. Yeah, the I forget what they're called, Shalomobiles. I, I I walked by a yeah I walked by a Shalomobile and it was just like teenagers who were just listening to like Hebrew I'm rap. I'm not gonna say that one. Gotta love it. It's a festive air, but by God, does it clog up traffic, which mm-hmm. is annoying. And I think they do a Hanukkah like thing one of the nights, right? That they close off the Eastern Parkway. Yeah, they do all sorts. And of they things. do like a parade of the. Yeah, well, I'll just go into Williamsburg tomorrow and get more. But uh, I just kind of assumed that I could easily buy them. What do they have to be? Oh, just, it's really a size issue. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's just like literally that is not a size of candle that is normal, and it's very hard to find candles in that size, so they sell them together in the amounts of all that you would need mm-hmm. and call them Hanukkah candles. Indeed. Yeah. Or Hanukkah candles. Hanukkah. Yep, good times. Festival of Lights, very popular thing to celebrate in this hemisphere this time of year. Yep. Christmas, also a lot of lights. People, the star of uh, that led the three wise men there, etc. My parents were the type People of parents it. that would go around on their weekends with the kids and drive miles and miles and miles because they heard that there was a phenomenal <laughs> house that had lights. And then we would drive by a neighborhood that was well lighted and they would admire it and all the kids would go, ooh, light, 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 ooh, light, 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 light. Okay. For hours. That sounds like a delightful nostalgic trip uh, that you should write as an American humorist. Yeah. just We it. do, uh, I mean, in Baltimore you have the, um, the miracle on 34th street which is in hamden so it's a lot of row homes all decorated um one in particular uh features a christmas tree made of hubcaps so some are just like very a lot of lights some are more thematic Hun themed or like John Watersy, there's a, a Nightmare Before Christmas house. Um, mm. That's uh, they kind of keep their stuff up almost all year though, um, but it's a big deal and it's really nice. Now all out in the suburbs, all those fucks in Maryland get those giant inflatable things. Yeah, that's what like I like. The- SpongeBob sitting on a snow globe in a Santa hat, yeah. like on your lawn. Um, just ridiculous. Uh, My mother to this day goes up to me and goes, you know, you and your girlfriend should drive out to this one street out in the suburbs and go check out this one house that has lights because, my God, it is... They spent thousands of dollars and it's just tons of reindeer that are blown up, snowmen that are blown up, and they're all lighted in a particular way and it's all got themes to it. It's a very suburban spectacle of... No, I'm just thinking. The season. No, I'm just thinking of the joke from the new Safe by the Bell. Oh my God! Uh, 
Yeah, right. Um, best show, best show out there. This is but, a fantastic transition. No, about a uh, Max Magic show or whatever. Yes, that's. <laughs> and also, Chris Angel is what it's a parody of. No, it's a parody of the guy who does. Um, I fucking looked it up because uh, yeah, okay. I've seen the show that they're oh, okay, okay. making fun of because he does these things where then people are like, "Oh my god, I, I I didn't know that about myself." And it's like this weird sort of where you're like, "There's tricks, like magic tricks," but also like he. Instead of like guessing, you know, doing a medium thing and guessing about dead people or like something more mundane, it's like he makes people feel like uh, they've gotten to some self discovery uh, okay. or, or et cetera. Yeah. Um, but anyway, my point is, I just. It was imagine. very popular up here uh, before the pandemic. Actually. I imagine Steve's mom just going, like, like, yeah, no, just you don't need to see this light. It's not even a light show. You really can't even describe what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's really come from the gods. Yeah, just you, no, it was it just, handed down. It, it makes you like forget yourself and then yeah. remember it, but not as yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have an out of body experience uh, staring at this collection of lights that is in a colorful way. Yeah, but, it's the uh, imminence, the magic of Christmas is uh, in these lights. Yeah, good show though. Great show. Yeah, we're just really going to talk about Saved by the Bell. You yeah. guys, these two have been... Not since you introduced um, me to Archer. Okay, I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to... I'm going to... Singing their praise. Yeah, so when I watched the first season, middle of lockdown sort of thing, like, yeah, whatever, I'll watch this. And then I'm watching it, and I'm like, What? Why is this good? Like, there's no reason for it to be as, like, for some of the jokes to be as smart as they are. And for it just, like, yeah. So um, I had recalled that experience. I, I had tweeted about it then and et cetera. And then when the second season came out, I was like, selling it to Marlo but then of course I'm worried you kind that of just started watching it and then I well, noticed I, it yeah I told you about it like that why I was gonna watch it like a couple days before or whatever yeah. and I was like sort of uh trying to sell you on it but like you know no pressure I was definitely gonna watch it though <laughs> so I start watching it yeah you just like kind of tuned in at some point and we're like wait <laughs> <laughs> it's just really good. So yeah, so then uh, my watch. I, I don't know. It's I just, just we went really back and we watched. Uh, I watched the first season again, uh, so Marlo could see it, and then we watched it. And it was uh, it was great, very enjoyable watching experience. Uh, very tight, funny, at times biting satire. Uh, <laughs> and like I said, it's I, I, it benefits from the lack of expectations. I guess um, they didn't. They could have made Cobra Kai. They could have made just a decently, like, written, well-acted, you know, uh, we're taking the subject matter seriously, blah, blah, blah. They, they could have just done a normal fucking show rather than this, like, really interesting satire. Like, well, yeah, everything that, which, from the... Everything kind of wackadoo from the original Saved by the Bell is sort of like... Like, they make the more interesting choice, I'd say, as, uh, you know, 
writers or whatever where yeah that's real right uh this this. yeah no it's all real but also it's kind of explicitly stated this is a product of just extremely wealthy children not having any consequences for their actions they just do insane bullshit that is silly and other people also think it's weird (laughs) that they do these things Mm -hmm. second season very good um and then it it, it, the second season has a really great reference to showgirls which of course uh elizabeth berkeley who plays jesse spano it's the first thing she did post safe by the bell and it was a, a, a crazy Scandal at the time, an NC-17 rated movie, and Marlo had never seen it, so then um, I discovered it was playing at the IFC Center, but only midnight showings, and I'm always telling people about Showgirls, so I decided to go ahead and buy the DVD myself, which meant I had to also get a DVD player. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, it's the Showgirls machine. Yep, we got a Showgirls and a Showgirls player now. Yeah, we got a Showgirls and a Showgirls player. So uh, we watched that yesterday, and then we rewatched the episode where Jesse, you know, they sort of treat it like Nomi Malone, that's the character's name. It was sort of uh, Jesse Spano's uh, Sasha Fierce. I don't know if you guys uh, know this reference. It's Beyonce's album. It's the persona she used for whatever. So, yeah, very funny. And also because it was very hard on Elizabeth Berkeley when when it all happened, and a good deal of time has passed, but also where it fits in, you know, I remember watching it in college and it just being so hilarious to us. Because oh, yeah, it's an incredibly funny movie because Paul Verhoeven's genius yeah. uh, who's ahead of his time. So, But it was fun because I've seen it many, many times uh, but it was fun to get Marlo's perspective on it. I wish I'd been there for that. Yeah, um, I mean, I, uh, I like Starship Troopers and RoboCop better but it's also a good movie. Well, with kind of all of his 80s, 90s shit, like, people at the time never got it. And then, like, 20 years later, we're just like, wait, is this satire? I don't think they had satire in yeah, the 80s or 90s. Yeah, they just, like, completely, every time Verhoeven made a movie, everyone's just like, oh, this is just face value what this movie is. And it's terrible because we don't get the <laughs> jokes. Like, yeah, and it's awful. It's not really a good movie. We're doing our part. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then, like, 20 years later, they're like, oh, he was joking. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, it's huh. just to introduce you to uh, Verhoeven's Las Vegas. Leaving Las Vegas? It is a place where... <laughs> every strip club... Every strip club. ...is a 1920s Berlin uh, burlesque cabaret <laughs> theater. Yes. Like, every to, strip like, club... The CD strip clubs are CD strip clubs because they have... Have lowbrow humor delivered by a fat, big-breasted woman who tells body jokes while flashing her tits to comedy sounds. That sounds like lots. Whereas the highbrow theaters are these multi-effect 
multi yeah, like media stage like performance. A, yeah, like a Broadway level dance performance, but but with tits. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and those are the that's the range of different it, kind of strip clubs that it, exist. It reminds me of uh, Kafka's America. Uh, do you know any? I of mean, the I no, jokes I've never, in Kafka's America. No, I've been told I should never read it. It's boring as hell. Well, one of the funny things is that he has the Statue of Liberty. The main character comes over to America and he sees the Statue of Liberty. And the Statue of Liberty has a sword in its hand holding it up. And so there are these things that, like, Kafka never went to America and there is no sword. And so there is this distorted view of what America is having never been there and only seen pictures of it. And that's what I'm getting from what you're describing in, like, the translation of Verhoeven's Las Vegas. Yeah, I mean, my working theory is he did, like, a MASH thing where MASH is about Korea, but really it's about Vietnam, where this is about Las Vegas, but it's really about Weimar Germany. Yeah, and and Kafka's... America is not about America. It's right. about, you know, Prague. Yeah, I, like, I, I don't think he misunderstood anything. I think he was giving a portrayal of a 1920s Berlin, uh, but calling it Las Vegas. Yeah, I, uh, with that in mind, when Mario mentioned that while we were watching it, it does hold up uh, really well because so many of the things that are just so weird about the movie, you're like, oh, well, if it was, it's basically cabaret. Uh, um, you know uh, with Elizabeth Berkley and Kyle MacLachlan doing a flippy hair thing they didn't actually show any well they probably did but like they didn't really get into any details of like you know straight full service prostitutes in the movie uh, like outside of like the veneer of you know private dances blah 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 but I am curious in that universe if you hired a hooker like if she would like be some like flapperish person who would then like be (laughs) like oh do you want me to read you some poetry or something either some sort of white geisha or like doing a Mae West impression (laughs) like Oh, honey. <laughs> like, oh, just. Oh, honey. Uh, come yeah, on. Yeah, no, you, here you pick up some. And Gina Gershon, the, the uh, sort of nemesis, yeah, uh, does say darling a lot. Darling. Oh, yeah, she was supposed oh. to be from Texas. That gets stated at some point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I imagine in his universe, if you pick up a streetwalker, she will play an instrument. Mm hmm. And do so well and do so for you as part of the yes obviously that's why you're paying her yeah sometimes they just want me to get my violin out <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> oh honey that's uh my new character yeah. uh, <laughs> a working girl in this universe who also plays violin as expected of all prostitutes in Yeah, you have, to have <laughs> other talents. <laughs> you, you are expected to, yeah. But, um, yeah, it's a fun movie. Like, I'll probably watch it again because I definitely would like to because I'll probably get more out of it. I mean, it's kind of also more or less what I expected. It's actually a little less goofy than I thought it was going to be, to be honest. Just because, like, I have been told, like, 
Yeah, so this is a Verhoeven movie that at the time you remember it when you were a little kid. It was the racy NC-17 movie that was, oh, super sexy and pornographic and blah, blah, blah. But going back on it, it's like a clearly satirical, goofy fucking Paul Verhoeven movie is what I went into it with. So, yeah, it was about what I expected and I liked it. <laughs> and I like my working Weimar Germany theory. <laughs> Well, and now you could have a, a, a like a teensy bit of appreciation for the sort of uh, pop culture hi- historical situation that birthed this movie, right. having watched the new Save by the Bell. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. And of- also that like one joke in that one episode of The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. A lot of cultural uh, context coming into focus now that I've watched Showgirls. Mm-hmm. That reminds me of my. Uh- my grandma, uh, they wouldn't let me go see Chicago on Broadway. And my grandma came back and she's like, it's too racy. Don't go see it. <laughs> I, just, I just love your, your grandmother like censoring radio shows for you. <laughs> radio shows? Yeah, yeah, like Broadway musicals, radio shows, you know, the things like uh, Bazooka Joe comics, the things that'll like lead a child astray. Well, my my grandma would listen to the radio with me, and it was always Lake Wobegon uh, with uh, Garrison Keillor on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I, and then I imagine, like, wait, wait, don't tell me comes on, and she's like, no, turn that no, off, she, that's dirty. That, that was way after her time. She was not an NPR liberal. She was a Keith Olbermann liberal. <laughs> I mean, I think they're kind of the same liberals. Yeah, but it's... You know, she didn't know what a podcast was. Wait, wait, don't tell me was a radio show on NPR before it was a podcast, Stephen. Just like Garrison Keillor. But she liked stories. She liked people reading stories to her. Yeah, okay, and I didn't immediately have a second one of those radio shows that I could think of that would play in the 90s. So I went with, wait, wait, don't tell me. Is there a second one of those shows? I don't don't know. know. Steven sounded like the expert. I don't know. I've listened to very little NPR. Yeah, me too. No one in my family does. There's like syndicated shows like in other radio programs that are NPR affiliated around Mm -hmm. New York that I've seen. But it's, you know, it's... I think WNYC has a bunch of shows. Well, I mean, now you have narrative podcasts that tell, you know fictional stories that someone wrote. Yeah. It was around Christmas that we went to go see Garrison Keillor, and I was fascinated that they had a sound effects guy on stage, and I loved the sound effects guy. What a star. Underappreciated. That That was that, uh, there was a Lindsay Lohan. Yes! What the fuck was that? Prairie Home Companion. Prairie Home Companion, that's the name of the fake... It was the name of the... The fake radio or... Like their brand, I guess, right? Lindsay Lohan. Literally, all I know is the movie because I saw it you because saw it? I love Lindsay Lohan. Yeah, Whoa. I think I saw it once. Uh, How was it? Uh, I, I think I saw it once and kind Susan of Sarandon's it. also in it. Um, but it was queen. a while ago. It's, we stand a queen. Yeah, yeah. She's so powerful, guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, She's amazing. Uh, it's what you wanted, Susan Sarandon. I love these fucking mentally ill people. Yeah. Uh, yeah where I, I just like, what? 
You're still there, you voted dude? for the Green Party? Oh, my God. Susan Sarandon, Queen Amongst Queens, mm-hmm. uh, Janet, Rocky Horror Picture Show, early childhood Susan Sarandon moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Rocky Horror? Yeah. She was the star. You, you got to see Rocky Horror when you were little? Well, I started going to the shows, the midnight shows in high school. Oh. And... That was where I met. I thought you meant like little. No, (laughs) I mean no, like probably in fifth grade, sixteen or or seventeen that I started going to the shows, and that was a fantastic experience of meeting all the freaks, all the goths, all the local queers. Oh man, I never, I didn't go to one until college, and I worked the movie theater. (laughs) Well, how was that experience? It was fun. They're fun to do. Uh, you know, you gotta clean up, but it was uh, it was cool. I'm generally down for shit like that. During the intermission of like a live performance of it, I uh, ended up winning the deep throating contest because they had people who were seeing how far you could swallow a, an ice pop. An ice pop? Yeah, and I couldn't talk for like two days. Oh my god. It was one of those rockets, you know, the red, oh, white, and blue no. rockets. No, I, I had that image in my head. So yeah. Don't worry. Yeah. Oh, God. And I stuck it all the way down my throat. It started pouring out of my mouth because I couldn't keep all of it in. <laughs> <laughs> and it started drizzling. That's what he said. Yep. And, yeah, then, I mean, like, and then they were like, you're going to win a prize. And can you guess what the prize was? You got to clean up the mess you made. Mm. Yeah. Oh, boy. Like the mm. dog that I was. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I wish I accomplished something. <laughs> I, I won a watermelon eating contest once. Did you, Damn. Did you eat some of the, Rind? the seeds? Oh. And uh, did a watermelon grow in your belly? Forget the we teach bunny the real this meaning is of the- Christmas. Our Saved by the Bell uh, inspired plotline this week will be Marlo is listening to Steve winning his deep throating contest, <laughs> Bunny winning her watermelon contest, and thinking, oh, darn, I'm not good at any thing i need to prove myself and so then i spend like an episode like searching for different like things that maybe i'm good at and then i like realize it's something else i I don't fucking know i generally can't so a big shame of mine is that i am not good at at, at food comedy Mm. i can't eat things comically because mm. uh, it might gross me out and I might, I might be like, ooh. <laughs> um, you know who's particularly adept at food comedy is uh, Stephen Colbert. Mm. Many, many, many bits of him just like oh, yeah. crazy. I don't know if he's got like some sort of, I don't know. Like Brad Pitt too. He Well, not comedy. <laughs> not comedy. No, but is- I'm talking about bits where you're just like, oh, I, I, Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, she's not talking about that. Brad Pitt like eats in a lot of movies versus other actors, which is a thing of his. But what do you mean about Brad Pitt? Is that just what you meant? Yeah. Or is, yes, are there yes. like it's a well-known thing he, about Brad Pitt? It's a well-known thing. Okay. That, like in Ocean's Eleven, there isn't a scene yeah. that he uh, is like eating. eating in every oh, and no, that's and an actory thing because it's really easy to make choices when you are doing something like that. But he also makes it kind of humorous as well. Like he yeah, uses it as a humorous thing. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking like in On the Waterfront, he chews gum and he pauses 
pauses at a certain point and it's really poignant in the thing he's saying and blah 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 it's like a fucking basic actor thing Brad Pitt's just like doing a you know a super version of that yeah like I, I see the exact trajectory of uh, the actor re part of that but what I'm talking about is not that I'm not talking about natural eating I'm talking about eating a bunch of gross stuff eating um eating something really like fast and whatever uh like there's a Stephen Colbert bit where he's like eating popcorn and looks up. Yeah, like a dramatic uh, moment. Like. Yeah, but he does a lot where he'll just like house up like whatever, and it's just a thing that some people can do. Stunt eating, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I like can't do it at all. I'll definitely yeah. When I was in college, they tried to put me in a sketch where I had to pretend to throw up and the way they had done it previously is they put like soup in a cup and you like pretend the cup is like beer or whatever and you take a sip and then you like spit it out like you're throwing up <laughs> I couldn't like do it because I started getting making myself actually nauseous <laughs> yeah and I totally get that I feel like I would have trouble concentrating on the food um, and also my feelings about the food as I'm also concentrating. So yeah, on the it, you always bummed me out though because I do like kind of like a sort of madcap comedy sort of vibe. So it always bummed me out that I couldn't like pull that shit off because I uh, <laughs> like no, I'm so sorry. Is there a <laughs> is there a thing that you really do like to do like that? Like Stephen Colbert likes to do food. Is there a I love using things I learned as uh, a stunt person comedically. Like, mm. I love to like your do... your Catwoman, your Catwoman uh, experience. Well, I, was, I didn't get to be Catwoman. We didn't have Catwoman in the show. I was supermodel Jennifer Morgan, uh, <laughs> who um, <laughs> fought the Joker and his henchmen. Uh, I knock him into another vat of chemicals. Um, as he me. deserves. As you do. No, but uh, the, like, sort of, like, stage combat, like, whatever, but, like, using that comedically to mm. either do, uh, I love that. Um, I've often done things where I pretend an invisible person's beating me up. Mm. Um, I'm really That's good really at, I'm really good at that. Um, I'm really into things like that and I've uh, written a few things in that vein too like where it's a comedy but there is a weird fight scene or action at some point like uh, one of the first scripts I wrote um, there's not a fight scene but I did write in this like pretty complex car chase (laughs) 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 and uh, yeah so like, that's the thing is, like, I am good at physical bits. So to not be able to do, like, stuff with food. Also, I can't particularly, like, pretend to throw up in, in any capacity. Because I start being like, oh, my God, no. I'm, go- oh, no, I'm going to throw this, this, It reminds me of uh, the Monty Python bit that I looked up about uh, Colin Harris, which is Graham Chapman, uh, who ends up wrestling himself. And I mm-hmm. imagine your version of that, because it's yeah. And I was just like a weird kid. Like I, I remember distinctly being um, waiting to go up at rehearsal for like I was in a play 
in school or whatever. So it was after school, but I didn't, whatever. So we were sitting, you know, we're in the gym where the stage is. So we're sitting in the back and then I like basically just uh, force this bit on this person where I like pretend to beat myself up. Um, which is the, the grand... Which is before I did the stunt shows, to be honest. I had a penchant for this stuff already. I loved karate. Um, <laughs> did I ever mention my racist karate teachers? Oh, I want to hear it now. So I took karate in Dundalk, Maryland, which uh, Dundalk. is uh, kind of just like a part of Baltimore County that is like known for being specifically white trashy yeah, already. Like I didn't know it at the time. I was a kid. It was, just, it was just like my dad knew his cousin friend. Uh, was also Greek? Yeah, of course. I was going to say. It was also Greek. His son went to this karate. Yeah. So Stop when it. I said I wanted to... Johnny. Johnios. I When I said I wanted to do karate... My dad was like, oh, okay, like, well, you can go to this one. I know. Uh, so I know my sister and one. I, um, and then we got uh, another girl from my elementary school and her sister also did this karate class, <laughs> whatever. So we went there and uh, there was two levels and the younger sisters were in the first class and then... I was in the older class, and so I would be waiting during the first class. And um, as something about my teacher, it was Goju Ryu Karate, and my uh, <laughs> my teacher claimed to have studied with Chuck Norris himself. <laughs> <laughs> so I recently to me in the nineties. To me in the nineties, this was cool as shit because Walker Texas Ranger was on. I recently like, watched a Walker um, Texas Ranger. You never and, seen one? No, they no, 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 no. I <gasps> his part is from Baltimore. Are, it's are, awesome. Conan really did it. Conan used them on. Uh, uh, the Late Late Show, and um, they they like made him stop, but they were he would find these like because there's so many ridiculous parts of uh, Walker Texas Ranger. So, okay, the the episode that I saw ended with it was a lot of mentally handicapped people, and they ended with like a five minute scene of slow motion at the Special Olympics. <laughs> mm-hmm. Running towards Walker, Texas Ranger, slow motion clapping, you know, this like 100 meter sprint. <laughs> I was like, you cannot, you cannot make this today, but by God, do I love this. Yeah. Shout out to that also, episode. Also, it was Amazing. like, I loved the idea that Chuck Norris was a Texas Ranger who also knew karate and would just like roundhouse kick somebody. Or like, you know, windmill. There would always be Native American magic involved, too. But uh, this is before Chuck Norris was particularly also, you know. An insane person. Like, you didn't know he was insane yet. Uh, So it wasn't like, oh, somebody working with Chuck Norris signals that he sort of, you know. uh, But what let me know that my... Okay, so is the twist that he 
did study under Chuck Norris, but that's a bad thing. No, I'm saying if somebody told me that today, oh, you'd yeah, be yeah, like, yeah. oh, this is like a right winger. This is like yeah, a whatever. Yeah, yeah. But in the 90s, also I'm a child in this scenario. <laughs> mm. I do not know this. Um, but I was sort of good at karate because I like fixated on it pretty hard and I wasn't particularly strong though so I was really good at like forms and kata but when you do like sparring like sparring when you could actually grapple (laughs) I'd be like my technique's not working (laughs) because I just I'm not uh, you know the other girls who were good were like beefy um i mean they were stronger than me that's what it was uh anyway so it was one teacher and then like his brother or brother-in-law who had a a nice a big mustache and now i'm like oh maybe he was like creeping a little bit (laughs) because uh i was like you know 12 years old towards you know uh still taking karate so he would give me a lot of compliments attention like and he would do things like (laughs) we'd all be standing like in fighting stance pose and it would be like a drill like do this do this this whatever and then like he would be walking like between the rows of students and like when he'd walk by me a lot of times he would like be like (laughs) like a chop at my face and sometimes do a front snap kick very close to my face and then if I didn't move Mm. often here's the trick guys I was uh, disassociating uh, some of that time so it wasn't like my amazing um it's not all my amazing reflexes is what I'll say I was sort of preoccupied with being good at karate in a way and then I at some point I realized I'm never going to be as good as like I really would want to be (laughs) which is insane so racism how I found out about it I would sit and wait for the first class to get over and the main instructor's daughter who was in 8th grade I was in 6th grade so I thought she was really cool because she was two years older than me well that's the only reason also she had like kind of auburny hair that seemed cool so we would like hang out and eat hot fries (laughs) from the vending machine we would like chit chat and I was like really into yin yang symbols at the time I drew them on everything I bought necklaces and chokers and forgive me if I've told some version of this story before Uh, I don't think so So I'm talking about the yin yang symbol. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. I'm really into it. I have not yet read the Tao Te Ching. So slow your roll, listeners. (laughs) Uh, I just really like it. I dig it. Uh, It was also very trendy kind of at the time. It was super trendy in the 90s. I also did karate in the 90s. So, but then I'm talking to her about it and she's like, yeah, but you know what sucks is that like the black side is like the woman side. Mm. And we all Chaos know dragon. the white is better. And I was like, <laughs> I remember looking at, I was think I was showing her a drawing I had done. And I remember her saying that and I was still looking at the drawing. And in my head, I was like, oh no. <laughs> 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 I just was like, what? 
And then she sort of like said a few other things that I was like, because I, you know, at the time I went to uh, school, most of my friends at school were black. Like it was mostly black school in Baltimore City. Like, was she ever like the black side of the yin yang is the boob side? She, I don't remember her saying the N word to me, uh, but. It was like, that's it was the, like that's this the lazy side. It was like, yeah, it was just like, it was creepy to me because it was seemed to be more about how the white is better. Mm. Right. It was like not as fixated on disparaging black people or the color black, I guess. Uh, it yeah, was, it, it seemed like all of a sudden she was just like, whatever it is better. Like, and she was making a sort of like nature argument. Mm, and Peterson. that was the first, I just remembered being like, I had, I had, okay. Like I had, yes, I understand what it meant. It just sounds. So funny. yeah, I grew up in Baltimore city. I knew about racism. This is the y- first yes, time I, I had been, uh, talking to somebody and they casually bring up basically fucking white power. This has never been happened to me. I didn't know anybody who thought of any of these things. The whitest people in my family who are Canadian, it, it was completely creepy out of like I felt like I had come across uh, Necromicon uh, (laughs) in this girl (laughs) but then because I interpreted it this way I became very scared of her after this Mm. and then I didn't want to let her know that I had a problem because I was afraid like in my mind at the time if she was like this she would do something really bad Mm. to me if I told her that I thought she was wrong and it was fucked up also she was like much taller than me. <laughs> yeah, that'll... I mean, and um, I was uh, kind of um, intimidated, I, I, like, physically like of her. It seems like, through her spiel, it seems like she was implying a level of violence by the white side on the black side. Just to put in context, um, you know, Baltimore in the 90s was a pretty stark place racially. So the next year, they played the O.J. Simpson verdict in school, but we didn't have a TV in the classroom I was in at the time, and our social study teacher, Mr. Cunningham, ran in going, not guilty, not guilty, and everybody went, (laughs) and I, of course, cheered with them because it was the opposite (laughs) issue, Uh, though I was very clear about, we all know he beat up. Nicole, and that's bad, which everyone agreed was bad. But everyone also agreed that Mark Furman was a Nazi racist. So, what can you do? Yeah, the evidence is tainted. We were we were in seventh grade at Roland Park Public School, the public school that's by all the private schools. Anyway, but yes. um, So, but I I just to me. I had heard people be racist in a different way before, like where I heard things that I knew were bigoted or or mean or or, or like some kind of like 
Yeah, like whatever joke, but I had not heard anybody be like, yeah, it's really important that we remember white is better. And I was like, one side of the yin yang can balance its checkbook. It really creeped me out. Um, So I don't know. I think that experience was formative, though, because later I felt a real need to sort of play racism spy right mm. so if then in the future because look racist white people they just look around and go look everybody look white here let me go uh, and they just say the thing if they do not they don't go hey are you they don't check in for people who don't know out there <laughs> Uh, so whenever I was older and more sort of uh, felt like I could fight better is really um, part of it. If someone would say something really racist around me and just sort of say it like as if I would agree with them, I liked to lure them into saying something even worse and yeah. then being like, blah, 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 like, fuck you. <laughs> and um, so, yes. That was, you know, but I am still very creeped out. Like people who are into white power, it's like people who are into like a very specific LARPing community. Yes. And I'm just like, whoa, this whole thing is, uh, makes me uneasy. Uh, but yeah, you know. I did want to bring up with you, there's been a, the Turks coming up in the news lately and I wanted to get your reaction to them. First of all, Dr. Oz. Wait, yeah, I was like, are you just talking about this dastardly Turk, no, Dr. I'm, Oz? I'm not just talking about Dr. Oz. Is I'm, the traitor Gulen up well, to his nefarious That's There is a Gulenist Gulen! Enes Cantor. Mm-hmm. He's the basketball player who came out and changed his name to Enes Cantor Freedom. <laughs> And he went on like Tucker Carlson and is anti Erdogan, but and pro Gulan. He's also like made the Gray Wolf sign. Yeah, yeah, because the Gulanists are actually weird nationalists as well. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh yeah, that's the tie that binds. Yeah, there I mean, go, go, And Gulen. but yeah, I'm implying Doctor Oz is in this too. <laughs> yeah, Doctor Oz <laughs> secretly, also guys. Turkish Him nationalist. and his blonde daughter. Yeah, no, Dr. Oz. Turks looking to. No, he's absolutely a closet ghoulinist. They're all closet (laughs) ghoulinists. Dr. Oz is a closet ghoulinist. Erdogan needs to take a strong iron fist and crush the traitors. (laughs) Erdogan needs to intervene in the Senate race in Pennsylvania. He's running Republican. Absolutely. Which is. Where Gulan is is in uh-huh. Pennsylvania. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Oh, shit. Oh no, this just became a true crime podcast. Oh, shit. We just or whatever the equivalent is to. Uh, is a closet Gulanist. Oh boy. And, um, Doctor Oz is action. in league. With the general, the general, um, yeah, anyway, there's a bunch of weird goalinists in Trump's cabinet for some reason. That is really what this comes down to. Flynn, General Flynn, General Flynn was the one that was trying to lobby Trump oh, to, okay, okay. to get Gulan to get out. Well, Gulan's go, go free, Gulan go, go lives to, in to, Pennsylvania. To, Put him in power in Turkey. Right, right. It's kind of one of those things where he was definitely someone 
up there. That would actually be hilarious if, like, of all the people you send to Turkey, it's, like, one of a few dozen Americans who actually gives a shit about Gulen. And what's Gulen promising? Gulen isn't promising anything. He was in Erdogan's inner circle for a while. Okay, no. Mike Flynn is not a Gulenist. Mike Flynn was offered 15 million by Turkey for Gulen. Oh, okay. Like, they were trying to extradite him. Right, right. They were trying to get him to extradite on behalf of of Erdogan. Right, 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 right. Because, yeah. Um, like, Trump and Erdogan were, like, friends. Yeah, no, like, Golan is just, he's a religious leader who had some. Okay, so now maybe is Dr. Oz an Erdoganist and trying to do the same thing in extraditing Golan? No, I like it. Dr. Oz is a Golanist better. Like, he's Yeah, a I like old. it too. And his blonde daughter who's on the cooking show. Well, didn't he have a father that was famous? Uh, it was a famous heart surgeon or something. Mehmet Oz Sr.? Yeah. I don't know if it, this, that's his name. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Dr. Mehmet Oz Sr., I, who I made up or is real. Well, yeah, <sighs> like, you know, all Turks know all other Turks, which is why mm-hmm. I know that uh, our, our uh, guy with the house, no, his, like, grandfather knew... Uh, Dr. Oz's father. Hassan? Hassan Piker. Hassan Piker's real dad is Dr. Oz's dad. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> That's where he Fake got the money news. for the house. Yeah. That's, it wasn't his it was followers. It transfusion of cash. Or whatever. Um, <laughs> a blood transfusion. It, it was, a, I don't know, can we work in some uh, blood conspiracy? Yeah, it's a... The Dune thing with the blood. Oh, okay. The Jesuits. The Benny Jesuits. Jesuits. We have a the, not Jesuit, not Jesuit. Uh, <laughs> but I like the idea of Benny Jesuits. Benny Jesuits, the Jewish sect of the Benny Jesuits. We got the crush. Turks. We got Doctor Oz is a Gulanist. <laughs> I'm gonna say it like this: Gulanist. Um, and but uh, they seem to be going all in on him too. Who is the Republican Party? Are they? I mean. No, they are. I didn't. I, they I, love their people on TV that everybody knows through shows for decades. I mean, why wouldn't you go all in on it? Who mainly relates to the elderly. Well, elderly. I do know his candidacy did bring a, a lot of people brought up Oprah, who is sort of credited with introducing him to the world. Yeah. Um, He's a snake oil, snake oil salesman. You want to talk about like. New agey religious bullshit. Like, he's one of those people. He certainly is not extremely discerning. Um, he is an actual doctor. Then there's also the issue of because of how his show was, um, then other, even more unscrupulous sort of people would just use his image, you know, and then like we've all come across those like ads at the bottom, those trash ads at the you're like that are like eat eighty bananas <laughs> and poop out your colon. Doctor Oz says so. Uh, well, and it's like, okay, I know he says a lot of wackadoodle shit, but he didn't say that. 
thing exactly. I yeah. Tell. It um, reminds me of the guy that was like, eat only celery and you'll lose pounds. Uh, excuse me. That's who's, or wait, yeah, are we talking, talking about celery juice guy? Yeah, celery juice guy. That's a different, he's the medical medium. <laughs> Okay, this I is had a to different do thing. He, oh, you did. So yeah. you know he has no. He literally just channels this stuff. Well, so he has like a he has a connection to the spiritual realm that he taps into to tell us that celery is going to heal us of all these things. All, all he's very big on celery juice. Um, which problems. is it's a bummer because I kind of you know when I've uh, dabbled in the green juice, I do like celery. I like celery. I like celery juice. I like a little kale, celery, apple, lemon situation uh, when I've done a done a green juice, but celery's uh, a, a decent base. But um, I mean, there was a whole sort of craze in the uh, mid aughts about green juice and how like just green juice was going to heal everything. You know, Doctor Oz. In fact, lots of lots of things about green juice. Uh, there was a girl who was diagnosed with some kind of weird lesions on the something cancer and credits mainly focusing on green juice for putting herself into remission or whatever. She was definitely on Dr. Oz. (laughs) But, you know, it's the kind of thing like my mom watches where she's like, oh, some of it's bullshit, but some of it's like, you know, something. (laughs) So... You know, not, but then she would, my mom hates Republicans despite not being a U.S. citizen whom she cannot vote, but she's very, not a fan of him being a Republican. So Christmas, Susan Sarandon, Dr. Oh Oz. yeah, so Christmas, I keep a spooky Christmas, that, um, that, as I've said before. It should so. be spooky. It should be Melania Trump. Spooky. It should be, it ha- should have ghosts, etc. You know, people want a spooky Christmas. That's why you know Krampus has gotten so popular. And I hope uh, Marilude is on her way, their way, uh, which is the Welsh skeleton horse that goes house to house at Christmas time, and you have to do rhyming couplets with it, or she moves in, bitch. I love it. I did an illustration of her. Uh, I made a holiday card. You could buy it. Uh, go to my Instagram. Um, go to Bunny's Instagram. Yeah, it says, for... uh, ha- Merry Christmas from Mari Lude. And then it also says, let me in. Uh, and then I just have the illustration by itself. Yeah. Because uh, it's a, just literally the skull of a horse, like dressed with a sheet and sometimes like flowers and things like that. Mine, I kept a symbol. I might draw a couple more. Uh, but yeah. What would the Christmas spirit be for you, Marlo? Do you know what you're getting your mom for Christmas? Nah, don't got something yet. I'm going to talk to my sister in the coming days. Do you have something for your mother? Uh, That's always the hard question. You know, we are, sometimes I talk a lot of, uh, well, smack about my family, but their non-traditionalist ways also means that there's like not a ton of pressure on um, gift giving at the holidays. Uh, That's usually something that I've had to worry about as an adult when it comes to like my partner's partner's family. So that is, yeah, I'm going to usually get my mom something. My mom loves lemon, 
lemon-scented things. Uh, I often get her a little gift basket of cool lemon things. Bottle. Yeah, I think I might. Of cool lemon things. Uh, I, uh, I really, I do enjoy giving gifts. I really love putting together specific gift baskets for people. Yeah. Even when I have to do like Secret Santa, I always try to figure out like what what is what is something like it's you know even if it's like it's got to be under $15 like whatever <laughs> i'm like but what could i get under $15 that this person, they'd go, oh my God, I actually need this. Oh my God, it's something I need. I'd never buy it for myself, but it's something I need. I'm obsessed with this idea that the gift I give satisfies this and it makes me crazy. So I do it to myself, but I don't have any pressure on me. See, the thing that (laughs) I I think is the the best compliment about gift giving is that it shows that you know somebody oh i don't give a shit about that i want i'm complete utility i don't care because people are unknowable (laughs) they are knowable you just need to buy them the right gift i I like the uh secret joke that you have between each other that you get a gift that talks to that joke and you they open the gift and they're like "Ha ha ha that's the thing that we share because we have this personal connection and you remembered that so you gave it to them oh yeah having personal connections with people yeah i I, I feel like um it's a fucking beautiful thing to have and if you have that with somebody cherish it that's the message from pingo kami sluts a merry christmas to all and to all a good night i do (laughs) i do love connection but i feel like i gotta be honest i feel like uh overly sentimental gifts are bourgeois and uh like, like you don't need another thing cluttering up your house. Uh, like, this is why. Now, that's, the, that's yeah. the thing about the question of utility, because utility also shows, has this universal aspect to it where if you gave this to somebody, no matter who you give it to, it'll still be useful. No, no, no. That's not true. Okay, so this is where the knowing someone comes mm. into my process. Okay. Is I'm not just thinking about you're what like, would be useful, like whatever. It could be something... You're like, this person has a baby and three dogs and they need a, a this thing. Say it's somebody I'm, I'm not even that... It's not even that deep, right? They're my Uh-oh. co-worker. I get them... Like the Secret Santa example. But say I notice, oh my God, they sit down with their coffee Mm. and they take a few sips and then they seem to forget about it and then they get up and have to go to the microwave, right? Mm. So maybe then I get one of those little things that sits on your desk that you can plug into your computer that keeps your coffee cup warm. What? They have that? This is some Gandalf magic. So I literally have one over there for under my uh, pour over coffee if I want to keep it warm. God damn it. Now you know what to get me for Christmas. So, but yeah, so this is like something like, okay, so that's a scenario where I, it's very satisfying for me to feel like I've perhaps given them something that solves a problem for them, but something that they wouldn't have prioritized as a problem to be solved. And then that to me feels satisfying, but I also feel like it's utilitarian. It's, but it doesn't add any unnecessary waste or put any pressure on them. Like they don't have to go, Oh, this like sentimental gift is so sweet because it reminds us of the blah, blah, blah. Even though like, 
you know, what the fuck am I going to do with another whatever? <laughs> Which Marlo sometimes has happens. Some thoughts on this. A um, gift should be a expression of your power over a person. <laughs> <laughs> Explain, please. It should say, I have the ability to give you this, and therefore I am better than you. And you are now indebted to me through a relationship of fealty. That's some Larry David uh, shit. Yeah, I, I am, I am it's completely... It's actually just basic feudalism. Yeah, it's basic feudalism. I give gold rings to my vassals. I'm very bad at giving gifts when they are compulsory in some kind of... Like the Secret Santa thing, like it's usually among peer co-workers and things like that. Uh, if there's a thing where I know there's an expectation, I'm supposed to give a gift to my boss because that'll make me look better to them or like whatever I like resent it I resent it at like to the point where it leaves my brain and I just don't do it yeah. I like just don't do As things like that um well yeah because it also I also just feel like there was an article about that uh I think it was like New Yorker or whatever. They were like, "You should uh, really give a gift to your boss because," or or it was like maybe you shouldn't give a gift to your boss because the power dynamic is weird. Was their analysis of it? But I might be misremembering it. It might be give a gift to your boss to show your value to them. And it seems well, I mean, like and an then people who have thing. like kids and stuff, there's a whole thing of like, oh, giving the teachers gifts. And like, blah, 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 which then I always then think, do you know how much dumb shit people get all the time? Like you give a teacher a gift. Yeah, but don't. But when you give a teacher a gift, should it be like, here's like a little fucking knickknack that says like, you're a great teacher. Yankee candle. Or should it be something that like this person actually could use? Yankee candle. I am going to steal your idea. Uh, Marla, I want this the candy idea. That's, that's a good gift for my family writ large. So th- that's really good. So something like that, something interesting and unique that's novel, I feel like yeah. it, 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 you know, and especially like, consumable, okay. very my, good gift. For my mother's birthday, uh, what I got her was different flavored cupcakes, mm. each different oh, flavored yeah. cupcakes. Well, uh, yeah. Because she likes, she has the consumerist brain where she's uh, enamored by choice and by waking up in the morning and being like, which cupcake am I going to buy? Am I going to bite into today? This is my exciting little treat that I give myself. And giving her options is like what excites the brain. So I think if I give a couple yeah. different options of the like candies. Like the human brain? Yeah, it does excite the brain. Yeah. Novelty? Yeah, we seek it out. Some people more than others. Yeah. but. I'm a novelty seeker. Seeking novel experiences is more common among people who are generally more left-leaning politically. Mm. Novelty is? Seeking novel experiences. Seeking novelty, yes. Marlo, true? I can't. I've also seen the TED Talk, so... <laughs> I mean... Okay. <laughs> He's seen the TED Talk. He's seen the TED Talk. He knows uh, it's, about it. I mean, there's a... It, yeah, sure. There's a lot of actual study in this area. It wasn't just, I didn't just see one TED Talk, but yes, there was a TED Talk about it. So, yes. But yes, some so, people prefer to, are averse to uh, new or novel experiences, and some people are, seek them out more. 
but in general, it is more stimulating to the human brain to do so. <laughs> See, my dad is more into puzzle experiences. So my mom's into like the novelty thing to consume choice. And my dad is more into figuring out how different pieces fit with other pieces so it can create a bigger picture. Steve's ideal uh, Christmas gift to his parents is just a series of tests that were run on chimpanzees in the 1970s. Yeah, and that's a lot of what my dad gets because we're running out of ideas. Your your moms would be like, push a button and the lights will change colors and push the button again and the lights will change to a new color. Push a button and the caricature of the you know, automated thing sings a song, and it's usually a Santa with a saxophone who's. And meanwhile, your do- dad just has different shaped blocks in a series of holes in front of him. Yeah, that's true. See, I, I did say yeah. Well, now as adult, there's not a lot of pressure or whatever. But there, my dad's somebody who you think you're getting him a gift that he'll think is like funny or mm. like whatever. And literally I got him a gift once that was like based on something that we had joked about. And he was like, what is this? Did <laughs> <laughs> you that, buy this at Spencer's were, were, gifts? Were you trying to do the thing where you had the inside joke? Yeah. Oh man! When those fail, that's a hard fall. Yeah, to come it was back like. From. Well, I just imagine it being Joe Bluth giving his dad like a baseball glove and a ball. <laughs> you know what the gift was? It was um, it was from Spencer's Gifts. It was one of those caps that had places for beer with the straws. Oh no! Because he had somebody had had it on TV and like we had made this joke about it or whatever. So then it was like, I'll get him the thing. And then, like, he'll think it's so funny. funny. Yeah. And he was like, what is this? (laughs) I can see the logic. And then he was like, all I wanted was a cake or something. Yeah. (laughs) Shout out to my dad. (laughs) Well, that's Um, what we've decided is that boomer parents just want food for their gifts. Uh, or whatever, you know. My dad specifically, he's got the Greek thing. See, I'm very like, it makes me nervous because Greek people are kind of like insane about gift giving. And like every Greek person I know who participates in their Greeky Greek family spends like so much money on gifts at Christmas. Expression of power. It, yeah, well, and it absolutely <laughs> is. Absolutely that this is part of it. And I just like, Marla you know. Just Machiavelli. Oh, no, absolutely. There's a chapter in uh, Tina Fey's book, Bossy Pants, where Tina Fey's half Greek, and she grew up in kind of a somewhat Greeky neighborhood, and when they'd go to a party, a Greek kid's birthday party, they'd always have the rum cake, which was gross, and none of the kids wanted it, and she was like, why did they always do that? And her mom was like, because it's the most expensive Mm. <laughs> cake at the bakery everyone goes to and I remember reading that and being like oh Greek people are like that man and I always was like see I feel like you have to have the Greek mom to be completely in tune with this like I have the Greek dad and then like the Greek dad who is like kind of already was like the black sheep person from from his particular Greek community so yeah but I could perceive it and it's just this like you know conspiring to drive out to like the outlets <laughs> oh my god 
Yeah, you know, I'm very, very big on name brands like Greek girls. Uh, when I was growing up, would like check each other's tags, mm. and I was like, we were buying our clothes from um, Value City primarily, oh, yeah, the place to get which had name brand clothes that were like a little fucked up. And I was like, yeah, no one notices, but guess what? They did notice, guys. <laughs> Your and, brand. Your, yeah. your lack of brand. I was like, I agreed with my dad. I was like, "This fucking awesome." He thought like we're being clever and like your kids, so like whatever. No, yeah. it was social class. Yeah, like that's the thing is like, and then my mom is completely like, first of all, from like a completely fucking outside place where she doesn't understand this American shit anyway, but she doesn't give a fuck about any of this stuff. So like, my mom's not gonna teach me how to play the game either. <laughs> Especially not in America. So, yeah, I just had two people who didn't give me any tools to navigate. Marlo, do you have any tools to navigate your parents' gift giving? Do you have a strategy? Yes, I give them gifts of literature and music and the things that we share together through our many years on this planet. I know that you have, like, a thing about, I think it's your sister, what to get your sister for her. No, usually... That's the one that you seem to agonize the most about. Yeah, I mean, I never know what to get her. Because then, like, my mom will just call me and be like, oh, by the way, we're putting a a package to send to England together, so if you can get her a gift, in the next two days that would be great see I actually I think there's a part of me that would really love to be sort of like forced into a complex gift giving like exchange matrix Matrix, or whatever uh, because it becomes like a challenge like then I do want to give people gifts that Mm. are sort of like meet this thing in my head and then in my old days uh, when I was married before I got divorced when this you know when I thought I was on the sort of escalator to like having babies and whatever I would remember things I would write down things people had said like throughout the year (laughs) and then like and then sometimes I would buy something early you know Dude, um, my parents buy all their gifts in like July. Yeah, I don't know. It's I just weird to me. I would like it if I was like, oh, I have to buy gifts for more people because it seems like a nice problem to have. My brother and I have the best relationship when it comes to gift giving. Every year of our child, like for the last twenty years. We'd drive over to a CD or a record store. We'd pick out something for ourselves. We'd hand it to the other person, and then we'd buy it. And then we'd just give it to each other on Christmas Eve, and that would be it. It was like this bonding experience between the two of us where he had a CD player. I was into records. I'd pick out a record. He'd pick out a couple CDs. Yeah, see, there's like wild oscillations between my sisters and I's... uh, incomes and <laughs> etc and like has varied wildly over the years that we've uh, been adult people so it's always like funny because some years I'm like everybody's getting bespoke gift baskets and other years I'm like um here's a thing. here's a banana <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah so it's always funny anyway well, Merry Christmas. May Mary Lude come to you. Yes, that's not a uh, Welsh accent, but I don't do, know. do some. Uh, I wrote a sketch that I keep 
including in the packet I send SNL, where it's a PR firm trying to get Marty Lude the same PR that Krampus gets. Mm. Um, which, you know... If you're listening, SNL recruiter, yeah, Go ahead and steal it, man, because Marty Lude, she's Michael coming Che, up. I know you're not doing anything else. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Play that ghost Michael horse. She, she raps. She basically raps. So, anyway. I do like spooky Christmas things. Uh, and, I don't know. I feel like we could get in. I feel like we'll have a Greek Christmas episode, which will come out after the 25th, but uh, probably before Epiphany. So, I do like Epiphany. I do like New Year's. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to make the bread. Gonna the I'm going to make vasalopita. I'm going to bake a coin into it. We're going to split it. We're going to see who gets luck for the year. Yeah. Right. Oh, sorry. and then we should make a Latino friend who can bake us a uh, tres leches cake for uh, Three Kings Day. And we can just have a series of cakes with things baked into them. Uh, we could have tres leches. We could have uh, a king cake. Yeah, um, yeah. Which oh, yeah. has a little baby on it. Yeah, uh, I like this is where I like that Greek Easter is often uh, Orthodox Easter is often at a different time than Catholic and Protestant Easter because it start then you can like sort of hit both weird uh, run ups to Lent festivals. So it's not I will say it's way less glamorous in the Orthodox world. We do not have Mardi Gras. We have uh, cheese fair Sunday and meat fair Sunday. <laughs> Awesome. <laughs> anyway, I know a lot about Lenten fasting practices. We'll talk about that next year, guys. Uh, I don't know. Merry, Merry Christmas. That's how you say it in Greek. Whoa. You got to teach us that. All right. See ya. Bye. Bye. I move in, Yeah.